There, there are eight sayings. They come at the beginning of, of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to open uh, and, and read some of them for you. And um, there's a few reasons that I, wanted, that I wanted to do this. And one of them is that it's, it's sort of a, it's a foundational uh, teaching. And I thought in the, in the new year, a good thing is sort of to lay a good, a good foundation. So um, uh, Vicky and I were building a house. So we got married, and the first thing she did was tore my house down. And uh, so I said, are you going to rebuild it? And she said, yeah, I'll rebuild it for you. So, um, so over the break, I go over to see how she's doing. And uh, she's spending lots of money, but there isn't a lot there yet. And as it turns out, she tells me she's building the foundation. And I go, well, you know, we're spending a lot of money, a lot of money, and all I see is a big hole and a little bit of concrete. That's all I see right now. And uh, so we got the basement poured and, and the foundation in, and then the other day, I said, so are we ready to, like, really build the house? How are we going to build it? Like, I want to, how many are with me? Like, I need to see some action, right? And she goes, well, they have to trench and block, and I go, what's trench and block? It's basically more foundation. And I said, we're getting awful foundation-y here, aren't we? Like, couldn't we just get the house up? Is anybody with me? Like, let's get the house up. Turns out, turns out, foundations are actually important. I don't, if some of you don't know this, Vicky's a builder, right? So, um, turns out foundations are important. And... Uh, so she made a wisecrack to me because some of you know the house that she tore down had a room that had a bad foundation on it, and it was literally, what, falling off the house, right? And uh, so Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, and, and what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and at the end, he tells the story. And this is a story that I, I often relay at, when I do wedding ceremonies because I think it, it's, it's sort of helpful. Um, but the story he tells goes this way. He says, if you hear these words and put them into practice, you're a certain kind of person. So if you hear these words and put them into practice. So just for grins, is anyone here remotely thinking about putting any of this into practice? Three of you. Fantastic. We're going to have a nice morning. I'm not sure why the rest of you are here, you know what I mean? It's usually to get credit, you know, God's happy with you, help your conscience or whatever. But just for a flyer, think about actually putting it into practice this year, all right? So, and he says it's a difference if you hear it and you practice it. He said if you're that person, you're like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. You see, the difference between, you know, the story... There's another house that's built, and uh, it's built on the sand. And, and the kicker is, for a while, you don't know the difference. Right next to each other. One built on a rock, one built on the sand. Oh, nice paint. Now, what, let's be honest. What are the stuff that you're into? Maybe, maybe like a hack like me. I'm into... What? How does it look? What are the roof lines? What kind of architecture? What kind of paint? What, how, what's the siding? Gonna, how, what kind of window treatment? Are you with me? Who cares about the foundation? That's the ugly stuff, right? 
Foundations are ugly, expensive, I've learned firsthand. Did I mention they're expensive? Turns out, what? Absolutely, what? Necessary. In fact, so necessary that you could say this. It doesn't matter what else you do. It doesn't matter how pretty the paint. It doesn't ma- none of it matters if the, what? If the foundation isn't right. So Jesus ends this sermon and he says, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So obviously he's talking about all the things that he's taught in this message. If you put them into practice, it's like laying a good foundation for your life. Many scholars will say the Beatitudes, as they've been called, I'm going to let you rename them. You don't have to call them the Beatitudes, by the way. Jesus never called them the Beatitudes. The Holy Spirit never called them. No one ever called them. They're just someone, it comes from a Latin word, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So you can name them what you want to name them. I'm going to give you some options as we study this. Who's into it so far? I lost a few of you already. Go ahead, just tell me so I know. Okay, three of you. You can name them what you want, and I'm going to give you some suggestions. But the word, it's tied to the word blessed or blessed. So the Beatitudes, as they have been called, are these series of sayings that start with the word blessed or blessed in English. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, right? And it goes on and on through there. The word blessed means really to become large, to become the Greek, become large or to become long. So if you're like from the 90s, whatever, like me, you can, you can call this living large. Whatever word works for you, the word blessed has been translated in other translations, happy, fortunate, favored, to be envied, any of these. We try to grasp the essence of what Jesus is saying and teaching. So picture it. Matthew 5. He sees the crowds. He goes into a mountainside. He sits down. His disciples come to him, and he begins his teaching. It launches right here. So let me just say this. This is not just what I would say foundational for you. This is foundational in what Jesus taught. So it's a double win here. A, you're interested in saying, I'm interested in what Jesus taught. I'm interested in learning what he taught. I'm interested in following what he taught. Foundational. These eight sayings. If you're interested in a foundation for your own life, you say, I don't even believe in God. I don't even know about Jesus. But you just need a foundation for your life. Still, fantastic. Eight great sayings. You can call them the great eight if you want. You can call them... The eightfold path to spiritual success, if you want. But we're going to go over these eight sayings one by one over the next several weeks. Um, by the way, Dr. Anderson, who marched with Dr. King, who's going to be here in two weeks, Dr. King, Mahatma Gandhi, several others will tell you that they used, they used the teachings of Jesus in this section as their inspiration for their movements. So think of it this way. 
Not only do these words have the ability to provide a foundation for your life, they have the possibility of changing our world because they already have many times over. One writer said, Christianity has not been tried and found failing. Because a lot of people will say, oh, Christianity, that's a thing of the past, or the teachings of Jesus, those are a thing of the past. But he said, rather, Christianity is not something that's been tried and found failing. It's been left untried. What do you, well, what do you mean? There's churches and Jesus freaks everywhere. Or we've just heard the words, ready, and not put them into practice. I'll begin. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, happy, fortunate. I don't know if it was a specific marketing ploy on Jesus' part to open his teachings with how to be happy, but anyone will come to a seminar on how to be happy, how to be blessed, how to be favored. The interesting thing that Jesus does, and we will learn as we go here, is he flips the script very quickly. Because everyone that's happy or fortunate or favored or blessed is not pictured that way in Jesus' day. In our day, you would say, happy are the wealthy. Happy are the prosperous. Happy are the healthy. Happy are those that have a good neighborhood. Happy are those that have a great education. Am I lying? Well, that's what everybody pursues. This is what happiness is. This is how you become happy. So maybe these teachings are just as revolutionary today, go figure, as they were 2,000 years ago. It's a foundation, and let me just say this. If you're out building a house, and you're a hack like me, I, I don't like doing any of that foundational stuff. I just like to get the project going. Is anybody with me? Like my grandpa, you know, he knew how to do things. He did patience. And I just want to get the thing going. I don't care if it's going to fall in a few years from now. Just get some sticks up in the air, right? But let me just say something. If you're out there building, and you could say, I'm building my family. I'm building my future. I'm building my fortune. I'm building my education. We're getting... We're... Stop. Stop building. Stop the whole project. Ready? This might be ugly. You might even have to tear some stuff down. You might have to take a couple of nice garage doors that you bought, you know, because they were on sale somewhere and you already put them up. Stop everything. 
Tear some stuff down if you have to. Hmm. See? Didn't I get it there? Didn't I get the nerve? That's what we don't want to do. I've already got money invested in this. I've already got time invested in this. I'm already going down this path. Look how pretty it is. I'm saying, no, stop. Stop building. Tear it down. If you have to, it's going to hurt you. Throw it in the dump. And get yourself a good, what? Foundation. Get a good foundation. How could these words be so foundational, you know, so revolutionary? By the way, I mentioned that we're going to be doing a meeting for students. I think, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I think we've done a generation maybe a little disservice by not giving a good foundation. Why? No one wants to come to that party. Oh, they're going to pour concrete and walk around in the mud? That'll be fun. What's the party you want to come? I want to come to the painting party. I want to come to the, where they put the cool side. I want to see the colors. I want to come when they put in the surround sound. Are you with me? You have to build the foundation. Um, I'm also going to say a couple other things. I'm not, if you've been in Orchard Grove, I'm not the, you should be here every Sunday because God's going to be mad at you. If you know me, you know that's not what I do. But let me just say something. It's probably good that you make a commitment to your student to have them here on a regular basis to put a foundation in. That there's something underneath. I know they would rather. We try to make it as good and as exciting, and Anthony's a great teacher, and we do. But people miss the point. They go, oh, great, because our church is fun. It's not even the point. We shouldn't try to make it boring. But, you know, sometimes you just got to put a foundation in. And it just takes time. And it just, is anybody picking up what I'm saying? But you know, next thing you know, time will go by like that. And you're like, oh, well, they had this, they had this, they had this, they had this, and this. And then, bam. And all your kids got is a cool surround sound. And I want them to have surround sound. And I want them to be all-world hockey. And I want them to be all that. But you know what? Everybody needs a really strong foundation. Why? Because the storms do come, don't they? The storms, they come. Uh, You don't get to pick your storm. Wouldn't it be nice? uh, Get my uh, storm scheduler app out here. Let's get the family ready. Let's have ours next Thursday. You don't get to pick your storm, do you? Come out of nowhere? They come at the wrong, they're always at the wrong time. Is there the right time for the storm? Then you lose your job, or you lose your spouse, or you lose your health, or you lose. We 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 weren't we didn't know that was going to come. Why? Because you need a foundation. Because the storms come. Ask anybody that's over thirteen. In other words, you just have to live a few years. And people that live in this denial state, like they never have storms or storms. No, that's just not that's just not correct. They come. 
they come in different forms, they come in different styles, and they come always at the wrong time, but they come, but you need something deeper, you need a foundation, you need a, a bedrock. I'm just saying, if the, if the idea or the concept that, that you read in the scriptures of repentance means anything, it means stop building, please stop building, please stop. Tear all the lumber off. We call it anti-progress. Anybody have a day like that at work? You have anti-progress? Like when you go to work, you just want to make progress. Is anybody with me? Especially if you're in your own business or you're on your own. Like if you're on someone else's dime and you're just by the hour, like I don't care if we're making any progress, I just want to get paid. If you're on your own clock, is anybody with me? Anti-progress is a very bad thing. You built a thing and uh-oh, it's the wrong thing. And I have to undo all the work I did. Is anybody with me? My dad, I remember he was trucking and, and uh, oh man, you go on a couple of halls and then, you know, you never delivered the load because the brakes froze up and because you end up in the shop and, that, and then you had to haul another truck to come and to take your load from you and you had to pay the guy to come here and take it and you lost, right, $7,000 on the haul. Anti what? Progress. This is why we don't like to repent. Because I'm already going down this road. Don't make me tear this stuff down. But evidently what Jesus was trying to say was you're going to need this foundation. You're going to need it. Um, this quote, Sermon on the Mount, begins with, it says, Jesus goes up on a mountainside. Now, if you've been to that part of Israel, it isn't a mountainside. It's actually kind of like a hill. Um, and many of you have been there with me. It's, um, there was something that Matthew was doing here very intentional, which he was doing throughout his gospel. And he was trying to say, he was trying to parallel the Sermon on the Mount with the giving of the law. You remember when Moses gets the law? Right? And, and everybody that read this and everybody around that they were all Jewish. So that was like a big day. And they had a holiday. They, they celebrate the giving of the law. And so what, they were, what, what Matthew is doing here is saying, this is the new Moses. This is the new law. This is the new thing. And he gives us a clue when he talks about the mountain. And he says, this is how you want to build your life. This is the new foundation. You know what's funny? I've never heard a news story of anyone protesting anything about putting that great eight sayings in a public place. We've done it about the Ten Commandments. huh? You can find news articles, well, we should have the Ten Commandments in this judge's office or this person's office. Why not the great eight? Says me. Are we Christians or Mosesons? I never thought of it. Because being poor in spirit is just so blah. So un-American. So soft. Food for thought. Food for thought. Jesus teaches this pathway. 
Uh, blessed, a blessed life, a happy life. I want to ask you a question right now. Are you happy? It affects you if you're not. It affects people around you if you're not happy. Now, I think we all go through moments of happiness and sadness. Would that be fair to say? Seasons of not doing so well. But fundamentally, foundation, are you happy? In other words, maybe if you aren't, maybe you've missed Jesus. I ain't worried about being happy. I'm just a Christian. I just want to go to heaven. But right there, are you happy? Are you? Maybe if you missed happiness, maybe you missed some of the basics. Maybe Jesus taught us this for a very important reason. Anybody ever have a dream? You woke up and it was so real, so real. Anybody? Like, wow, was that real? Okay. Um, now, for whatever reason, and I know, I know you're gonna, all you psychologists are going to analyze me out there and email me, but I don't really remember my dreams. Once in a great while, I will. And I know you're right away like, radar, radar, like I screwed up. Okay, so save it. I know. That's something I already know. But I don't remember mine that, that often. But, but when you do, and if you remember them often, that, you're probably in better shape than I am. But when you're experiencing a dream, think about it, you wake up and you go, that wasn't real, but it felt real. Is that, is that true? That wasn't real, but it felt real. But when you're having it, what they're learning is like all the senses, it, it's sort of like it, it's hitting all of the senses. So in a sense, like I'm experiencing you, you guys, this guy's sleeping over here and I'm listening to him and you're talking to your neighbor and what, I'm experiencing you right now, auditory. And it, it's sort of like it's hitting all the same connections in your brain. So is it real? So picture this, ready? You're having a dream. And in your dream, Jesus enters. And he goes, I know you're not happy, and I want to show you how to be happy. Right? Then you wake up. What if, what if the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus entering your dream and shaking you up? Where you're going you're building your house, you know, you're doing your thing. And he's like, I'm trying to tell. And you feel like, I know because see, this is a little insulting that I'm saying this, but you feel like you're fully awake right now. But maybe you're not. And maybe Jesus came to wake us up. Maybe. All the things that we're feeling like, and he came to say, you know what? Let me just try to wake you up. And he teaches what we call alternative wisdom. So we're going to go through them in a minute. We're going to read them all together. I'm going to ask you to participate. But what you're going to see is that they're different. It's not the word on the street. And the funny, here's the kicker. This is unbelievable. It's been 2,000 years, and these still aren't in plaques everywhere. They still aren't in government offices. This is, we got law, but we don't have Jesus. Nothing wrong with a few good laws now and then. I'm not, are you, is anybody with me? Like, okay, it's like, why did we miss this? I think we missed it because we like our dream state better than the awake state. 
where Jesus comes to wake you up. Has this ever happened to you? Somebody comes in your room and they shake your leg, and in your dream, they're what? Shaking your leg? Huh? Maybe Jesus is shaking your leg. Maybe he's trying to wake you up to something. So when we read these, you're going to go, yeah, but they're not that powerful. That's not the way I would go about looking for happiness. Fair enough. That's why I call it alternative wisdom. You know, Jesus wasn't crucified by bad people. He was crucified because he taught a different way. He taught an alternative. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to let you name them, pick your own name, the grade eight. If you're traditionalist and you believe that Jesus thinks they're called the Beatitudes, then you call them the Beatitudes, that's fine. You can call them um, eight steps of living large. You can call them the eightfold path to happiness. You pick your name. But we're going to go over them over the next few weeks. Um, I'm also going to let you pick your translation. And we're going to read them in two different translations here. I'm going to read them in a little more traditional, blessed are, blessed are, because some of you love that and that does good for your soul, and I'm all for that. I'm also going to read them in a, in a good, really good paraphrase. Um, so here's what I want you to do with this series. First of all, I want you to be here. Small ask, but I just want you to be here. I, do, I want you to go through all eight and say, I want to put these as foundational blocks in my life. All right? Second is, I want you to, and, and next week, I'll tell you what, next week, I'll hand these out to you. I'll let you pick one that you could put on your fridge. Put them on your fridge, and I want you to, to read them and rehearse them in your mind over and over again. Why? Because for it to be a foundation, it's got to get inside of you. So now, you could, some of you could... The reality is most of you couldn't quote them to me. A few of you could, right? But the fact that you can't even quote them means they're probably not even close to being down here, let alone up here. So we're going to try to move them into here and then down to here so they're the foundation of your life. And so you're going to pick a, a version that works for you, a translation. I'll give you two good options here. You can pick another one um, if you want, all right? Who will take the challenge with me? That was so convincing. All right, I got a few more than I thought. All right, here we go. Um, we're going to put it up there. We'll start with the NIV, and I'm going to ask everybody to stand. All right, everybody stand with me. All right? And then we're going to read these. Um, we're going to read them out loud together. Okay, here we go. Ready? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Number two. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Next. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Next. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Next. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, we can stop there. That's a commentary on the other one. We're good enough. Here we go. Next, we're going to go to the Phillips translation. And uh, this is um, a great paraphrase. J.B. Phillips did a great job. Ready? How happy. We're going to say this like a happier, so you're the traditionalist. You had your day in court. Now it's the rest of us. All right. Now this is forever that wears Chuck Taylor's to church. Ready? How happy are those who know what sorrow means, for they will be given courage and comfort. Um, did we miss one? We missed one. Okay, that's okay. It's all right. Keep going. Ready? Happy are those who claim nothing, for the whole earth will belong to them. In other words, this is number three. We missed number one, but don't shoot anybody in here. All right. Ready? Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for goodness, for they will be fully satisfied. By the way, translations mean something. Just going to pause here. Because it, it, it rocks you a little bit, like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, goodness, I thought it was righteousness. And righteousness, I thought, was like God being like, being churchy, you know what I mean? Goody two-shoes. But there's a deeper word that we're going to talk about, all this stuff. It's huge. It's huge. Um, misunderstanding what the word righteousness means is a game changer. All right? For they will be fully, what? Satisfied. Next. Happy are the merciful, for they will have mercy shown to them. This is going to ruin every Western movie you've ever seen, right? Every Clint Eastwood movie you've ever seen. It's gone down the tubes right there. Okay, keep going. Happy are the utterly sincere, for they will see God. By the way, by the way, I'm going to go back to my Clint Eastwood comment. True? Put your hand up if it's true. It feels good when he just gets that guy back. No, I mean, my hands up. And ready? That's common wisdom. What Jesus teaches is alternative wisdom. This would actually make you happy, to be merciful. Hmm? It goes contrary. I mean, you feel good. You're like, just, just keep getting him, Clint. Ready? Happy... Wait, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I'm sorry. My fault completely. Here we go. Ready? In the back? Yeah. Happy are the utterly sincere, for they will see God. Next. Happy are those who make peace, for they will be called sons of God. Happy are those who have suffered persecution for the cause of goodness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Perhaps this reflects what you're going to hear Dr. Anderson talk about in two weeks. When you go against the flow, and it includes the federal government and the FBI and common Christianity and everything else and everyone else, you, you get persecuted. You go against the flow. We're going to find out if he was happy or not. You might be surprised. So that's your assignment, should you choose to take it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to try to lay a foundation. Revolutionary. 
I meet a lot of people that talk all about Jesus all the time. They don't even know these. Like, yeah, yeah I've heard of them. There's a beat, beat of somethings. And it doesn't matter what you call them. What matters is these are great, eight great statements that could be game changers for your life, in your life, and for, ready, our society. One person said there's, there are four of them that, that give comfort to people in pain. There are four of them that give comfort to people in pain. The other four praise the people that comfort others who are in pain. You know, the job of a pastor is, can be challenging at times, I'll admit. What? To comfort people. To comfort people that are hurting. Constantly doing that. Tomorrow. Funeral. Right? Isn't there a game on tomorrow night? Doing a funeral. That's what I do. It's comfort. We need to do that. The other thing that we do, but it's not just that. It's to bring comfort to others who are in their pain. And this, if you, if you could just, again, we're going to do these slow, but you can let them marinate. And these thoughts could change your life. I'm going to say a closing prayer. Ready? But listen, we really are what we think about. These, these go to your thought life. They go to the kind of person that you are on the inside. This alternative wisdom that Jesus teaches literally could change your life. I'm not so much interested in getting people to become Christians. What I'm sort of interested in is getting people to follow these alternative wisdom teachings that Jesus gave. To me, a much deeper idea to follow. Follow.